hey everyone, this is Pastor Seth. Welcome to weekend services here at Grace. And before we dive in today, I wanted to catch everyone up to speed on some of the things that we've been processing through as a church family the past four weeks of this series that we have been in called Here We Go. So about four weeks ago, we began this journey by talking about the why. Why do we feel compelled and convicted to pack up our bags, get in the van, and head somewhere together? So we also said that the why is super important. Before we say anything about where we're going and how we're gonna get there, we first want to discuss the heart behind this journey. And so each week throughout this series, we kept coming back to Psalm 78 because we believe that God himself through his word in this passage has already articulated for us the why very clearly. So in Psalm 78, we all discovered a very simple but profound principle. God's story is passed down relationally and generationally. So this means that God's method to bring the hope of rescue to the world and to bring people into a vibrant relationship with him happens through life on life transmission. One generation passing it down to the next. That God's movement is both relational and generational. So because of this, we said that our heart as a church is not simply to exist for ourselves. It's not just about our preferences or our needs and desires, but for those who have yet to hear and know the hope of Jesus. So for the next generation in this first leg of that journey, here we go, we described four specific points of emphasis that we want to occupy our attention in the next three years that we believe is a concrete way for us to pursue God's relational and generational method. So for whatever reason, God has given us influence in these areas, and that means that we just desperately want to be good stewards of what he's given. So first, in this series, we talked about campusing, that we believe the time for Medina East to set clear and active goals toward planting another campus is now. We also talked through how vital it is for us to focus on something we've called the wave, so that we've diagnosed a virtual tidal wave of kids and students, and we've expressed a conviction that it's really our God-given mission as his people to invest the story of Jesus into that next generation with acute intentionality. This generational focus then has led us to consider the great importance of developing leaders in our church and how necessary it is that we all be equipped for that task, that we need to be outfitted with a solid understanding of the heart of God and the truth of the gospel if we're going to meet the spiritual needs of this next generation. And lastly, Pastor Tony walked us through how we, as followers of Jesus in Medina, want to use the abundant resources God has granted to us as a means to facilitate the same kind of prayerful, generational leadership emphases in gospel-centered organizations that we partner with across the globe. So just so you know, each of these four areas of emphasis is further unpacked in our Here We Go booklets. And you can find these books in a variety of different places throughout our campus. So in short, during the next three years, this plan is to double down on our efforts in those four areas. And today is the opportunity presented to, to the Grace Church family to go all in on these things together. Everything we've got to see God's movement continue. And it's so exciting to think about the ways God is going to use us to further his kingdom in Medina and also to spread the message of Jesus to the next generation and to the rest of the world. And all of that starts now.
This journey started long before us, mapped out from the very beginning. Movements built on a legacy of prayer and sacrifice. This is not the easy way. It requires hard things. It will change us. It demands our attention. It is a journey of rescue to be passed on from one generation to the next. And we are here to take up the baton, to embrace our leg of the journey, to go, not just for ourselves, but for the generations to come. Here we go. All right, all right. Well, welcome to Commitment Weekend. How's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Man, I hope you're as excited as I am. I'm so pumped for, for today and for this service this weekend. I have uh, literally listened to uh, The Eye of the Tiger maybe 20 times in the past 24 hours just to get pumped up and excited. Uh, but I am, I am super, super excited about this weekend at Grace as we do Commitment Weekend together. And I do just want to reiterate something uh, that Steve mentioned just a moment ago. And what Steve uh, said was this, is that if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here, uh, but you came on a pretty unique weekend. And so this weekend is actually a very, very special weekend for here, uh, for, for those of us who are part of the Medina East Campus. And, uh, and quite honestly, this is a weekend that's unlike anything that we have ever done before in the history of our campus. So if, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, but I just want you to know that it's going to be different this weekend than it usually is. And I'm glad that you're here if you're a guest. I, I really think that you came uh, on uh, what we believe is going to be a, a historical weekend for us as a campus. And so my hope is that you would just be able to kind of observe what's going on, kind of take it in a little bit, and maybe uh, it'll help you make sense of Grace Church a little bit, maybe let you know a little bit about what our heart is. And I also want to mention, too, that if you're a guest or you kind of came here for the first time today as well, I want to invite you to also come back next week. And so next week, we're going to kind of get back to what we typically do on the weekends, and so it'll be sort of a normal series for us. But we're starting a series that I'm actually really, really excited about. It's a series that's called What's the Difference? And basically what we're going to be doing in that series is we're going to be talking about uh, what is the difference between New Testament Christianity uh, the message of the gospel, which is the message that we are centered on and we're all about here at Grace. What's the difference between that and other belief systems and other religions that we kind of see within the world? And, uh, and I think this is going to be a really important series. Now, kind of so you understand the heart. The heart of this series is we're not looking to enter into an argument or debate, and we're not looking to criticize any other belief system, not at all. Our hope is to be very respectful, but basically we're kind of looking and we're saying we live in a time and place right now where, quite honestly, there's some pretty blurred lines in, in what are the, the things that distinguish one belief from another and one of those things. So in this series, we're going to talk about things, for example, like what is the difference between New Testament Christianity and the Islamic faith? What are some of the distinguishing features between those things? We're going to talk about what is the difference between the gospel, New Testament Christianity, and kind of this new age spirituality that we kind of see today. What are some of the differences? What are the differences between even the expression of Protestantism and Catholicism and how those things kind of work out? And again, our hope in this series is, is that this series will be designed to be clarifying 
Our, our, we also believe that this is a series that's designed for everybody, for every person. And so if you're a person who's a follower of Jesus, I think this series is actually very important because it's going to be clarifying and I believe it's going to help articulate uh, what New Testament Christianity really is all about. And for those who are investigating Jesus, I think this series is going to be super helpful to you. And so my hope is that we could be helpful in, in any way that we can. So if you are a person who, uh, who is investigating Jesus or you know someone who maybe is, maybe one of your three, this would be an awesome opportunity to invite them out. So that's next week, a series called What's the Difference? But uh, this week, like we said, uh, we're entering into this commitment weekend uh, together. And what we mean by commitment weekend, if you, if you missed the past few weeks, is basically we've been talking to those who call the Medina East Campus home. So we're kind of talking to the church family. And we said that, man, we believe that God has really called us into some pretty, some pretty big things in this next season. And so you saw a recap video from Seth. He kind of explained some of those things. And we said to the Medina East family, we said, we want to ask that you would prayerfully consider committing yourself in four different ways, in four different ways. And here's those four ways that we talked about over the past couple of weeks. As we said, if you're part of the Medina East campus, we want to ask you to commit to praying for your three, praying for your three. And of course, what we meant by that is we said, uh, for those of us who follow Jesus, think of three names of people who are in your sphere of life, you know, coworkers, friends, family members, who you desperately want to see come to know the hope of Jesus. And would you pray faithfully and consistently and specifically for those three names? That, that was the first commitment. The second kind of commitment that we were asking is we said, would you consider pursuing and committing to getting into a life group, to prioritizing that? We actually talked over the past several weeks, and we, we explained that getting connected to a life group is actually an integral part of pursuing the vision of Grace Church and participating in the movement of what we believe God is doing here. And then we said we're asking uh, those who are part of the Medina East family to, to commit to serving one and attending one. And basically what we meant by that is on the weekend services, we want to ask that you would prioritize, for those of us who are part of the Medina East family, shouldering a regular weekend responsibility. Uh, that is serving at a service and attending a service and kind of pursuing that rhythm together. And then, of course, the last one we talked about was a three-year financial commitment. And we said with these goals that we're pursuing and the things that we believe God is leading us into, uh, there is a price tag that is attached to those things. And so we said uh, that for those who are part of the Medina East family, I want to ask if you would consider committing to an above and, ab above and beyond uh, act of generosity for the next three years uh, towards these goals that we're pursuing. And so that's the commitments that we're talking about. And so today, today, it all kind of culminates in this commitment weekend. And the people of Grace Church, the Medina East Campus, we will actually have an opportunity in this service to make those, those commitments. And we're going to do that in a special way. I'm actually really excited about it. It's very powerful. We've had a chance to do it in the past three services as well, and so I'm so excited about what's coming. But what we did, uh, you might remember, is we actually sent uh, our families home, those who are part of the Grace Church family, with a commitment kit last week. And we said, we want you to pray over these commitments. We want you to seek the Lord and talk to your family. And then we said, would you come back with those commitment envelopes, and we'll give you a chance to make those commitments here today. So many of you who are part of the Medina East Campus family have brought those back with you. Uh, if you did not receive one of those or you missed last week or if you uh, forgot yours and you left it at home, uh, we actually have some additional envelopes that are in the seat backs, and so you can feel free to leaf through those and write down your commitments there. And later in the service, we'll have an opportunity to physically make those commitments uh, kind of together. And like I said, that'll be real special. But before we do that, before we talk about how we're going to make our commitments as a church family here together, I want to take just a few minutes 
And I wanted just to talk about what I believe um, is the significance and importance of this weekend. And, and I wanted to talk about how I, how I view this weekend and why I believe that weekends like this and things like making commitments like this are so significant and are so important. And I know, I know for me, when I think about uh, the power of a weekend like this and the significance of making commitments like this, um, it always draws me back to what the Bible says as it relates to the significance of the church. So I always go back and I just, I just think about what God said about the church. I don't know if you've ever done this before. If you've ever done an in-depth study in the Bible or if you've ever been through a series that talks about what the Bible teaches about the church. But I'll tell you what's incredible is when you, when you survey the scripture and of course the, specifically the New Testament, what you find is that what the Bible says about the church is, is full of such powerful promises in such soaring images of what the church is and what God designed the church to be and what the church is intended to become. It's just powerful. So I'll just give you a few examples, just a couple passages, okay? Uh, the first time you ever see the church mentioned in the Bible is actually in Matthew 16. It's the first time the word church ever shows up in the whole Bible is in Matthew chapter 16. And interestingly, what you see is that the first person to mention the church is Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And so in Matthew 16, it begins with a powerful promise. And here's what Jesus says. So I'm gonna build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is the first time the church has ever mentioned. And I just want you to notice something in this simple passage, you see two things. You see first off that it is, it is backed with a powerful promise from Jesus. In other words, uh, the, church, the church is not just like some idea from a group of people who just said, you know what, we have an idea, let's start this thing, let's begin a religion. No, it was something that was commissioned by and it was promised by Jesus Christ himself. It's Jesus's idea. But in addition to that, you notice in this passage, not only do we see the promise of the church, but you also see the purpose. He says, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of Hades are not gonna prevail against it. And we've actually taught on this passage several times at this campus and, and we've kind of talked about how when the Bible says the gates of Hades, it's actually a term that would have been symbolic of all of the dark forces and evil that is in the world. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I'm promising I'm gonna build my church. And the purpose of the church is that it is going to be my offensive strategic vehicle against the evils that we see within the world. This is God's strategy to, to overcome darkness and evil in the world is the church. It's a powerful promise. Now, what's interesting is as you continue to go through the Bible, you're going to see that as the church develops, you're going to see more and more passages like this that are just so powerful, powerfully speak about the church. So Matthew 16 after this happens, Jesus, of course, is crucified. The Bible says that he raises from the dead on the third day. And after he raises from the dead, he goes to his disciples in John chapter 20. And here's what he says to them. He says, peace be with you, talking to the disciples who are to be the future church. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. And so we see, not only is the, not only is the church promised by Jesus, but we also see that it is commissioned by Jesus with the mission of Jesus. And so Jesus says, in the same way, in the same way that the Father has sent me, right? And we know that the Father sent the Son to seek and save that which is lost. The Father sent the Son so that he would serve and sacrifice and give his life as a ransom for many. And now Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, in the same way that God sent me here on a mission, I am commissioning you to be the continuation of that mission. 
And so, man, the church, the Bible says, is Jesus' idea. It's God's strategy against the darkness in this world. It's the continuation of Jesus' mission. On top of that, look what it says in the book of Acts. It says, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And here Jesus makes another really profound declaration. He says, not only is my church going to be commissioned on my mission, they're also going to be empowered by my spirit. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do the things he did while he was on this earth, he gives to his church. And he says, and this thing, this thing is going to go global all the way to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. The church is going to be my witness of my power and my mission and, and, and my authority in those things. I'm just telling you, man, you go through the Bible and there's these, these epic passages that tell us what God has intended for the church and what the church is to become. The Bible's gonna say in passages like Acts 20, God bought the church with his own blood. God so loves the church that Jesus Christ gave himself up for her to purchase her. Jesus loves the church. We see in passages like 1 Timothy chapter three, the Bible says that the church is God's household that it is the pillar and foundation of the truth. We see that, that God has actually designed the church to be a pillar of truth. That is to, is to be a beacon of God's word and God's truth in the midst of a community in a world where there's all kinds of competing ideologies and ideas, that the church is to be a place where people can hear God's word and interact with the truth that comes from him. That's how God has designed the church. That's what he's designed it to be. The Bible's gonna say in other passages, like in Romans 12, very familiar image, it's gonna say that the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, it's gonna say, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same functions, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so this powerful image, the Bible says that the church, even though we're many and we're diverse and we're different in our gifts, that when we're united in Christ's mission and we're united by the Holy Spirit, that we become the body of Christ. That is that we become the physical manifestation and representation of Jesus within our community. That we become the hands and feet that actually execute the will of God and execute the compassion of God and the love of God to our community and to our world. It's powerful images. The Bible's gonna say in places like Ephesians, that it's God's intent that the church, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ Jesus. And I'm just telling you, I could give you, I could just, we could go on all day, and I won't, trust me. We could go on all day about all these passages that tell us about the promises and the power of the potential of the church of Jesus Christ. That this is what Jesus said. Man, it's, it, is, it is his strategy against the darkness in the world. It is his body within a community. It is a beacon of truth together. That's what the church is called to be. That it's God's manifold wisdom. It's his strategy in this world. It's what he's designed it to be. And, and even though we look at all these soaring images, and I could tell you so many more, here's the thing. As incredible as these are, and we live in a society, and you know this as well as I do, we live in a society where the, the primary view of the church for most people is not that the church is these things. It's that the church is weak, not strong. And we live in a society where there is a growing skepticism and there's a growing cynicism about the church. And quite honestly, some of that is self-inflicted. 
because historically there's been things that are done that are abusive or are, are not in line with what scripture teaches and can be difficult. But I think because of that, we live in a society today where there's many people who would look at the church and they would say the church is not strong, the church is weak, that the church is is irrelevant, that the church is outdated. There's many people who would look and say, if you want to change the world, if you want to go against the evils in this world and fight against darkness in the world, the last place you would go to do, that's the church. There's an increasing amount of people who believe that if you actually want to make a difference in this world, the place you need to go is you need to go to politics. The place you need to go is you need to go to, into, into Hollywood or to Wall Street. That's where you make a real difference. But the church, the church is weak. The church is weak. And the reason I bring that up to you, and the reason I think that's so significant to what we're doing here today, is because when followers of Jesus come together to make commitments together about what Jesus Christ has said about the church, I believe that this is an opportunity for us, for us, for those of us who follow Jesus, to put confidence in what Jesus Christ said. It is a chance for us to say, we don't believe that the church is weak. We actually believe that what Jesus said about the church, that these things that we just read on the screen, that these are not just empty promises, but that these are actually realities. That that what Jesus said about the church is actually possible, and not only possible, but it's actually what God wants And it's our chance to say we commit ourselves to that and we are putting our confidence in that because here's what I believe. I believe that the most powerful thing on earth is a church of people who actually believe what Jesus says about her. It's the most powerful thing on the earth. And I think that the the biggest shame is when a church does not believe what Jesus Christ has said about her. When, When a church lacks confidence in what Christ has already said is true, about her. You know, every time I, I have this conversation about the church, um, I, always get, I always get really passionate about it because I believe in it so much. But I always think about um, when I talk about how the church needs to have confidence in what God said, I actually always think of, of a childhood friend of mine. And I always go back to this. I always think of this childhood friend. Every time I talk about the church, I always talk about this childhood friend. In fact, the first sermon that I ever preached here at the Medina East Campus, I actually talked about the church. And I brought up my childhood friend. And so, so when I was a kid, I actually, I grew up around here. So I grew up in Akron, uh, and I grew up in uh, Goodyear Heights. And so I lived in, in, uh, in a neighborhood where all the houses were, like, super close to each other. And so one of the cool things about that was that there was just a ton of kids that were on my block, ton of kids in my neighborhood. And so my, my childhood, I basically grew up... Um, basically living outside with this group of like about a dozen kids. There was just like a flock of children that just would swarm through the neighborhood. And we, we thought we owned the place and we rode our bikes everywhere and it was just an absolute blast. But among that, like, that group of about you know, a dozen of us or so, there's this one kid and he really stood out from the rest of us and his name was Ramon. And the thing about Ramon, and I, I still remember this so vividly, is, is that Ramon was one of those kids who was, and maybe you had someone like this in your group when you were a kid too, he was one of those kids who was just freakishly strong. Like, I don't know if you guys know, had someone like that, but he was, he was the same age as I was, so he was nine. But he was like, he was probably a foot taller than me. He probably was 50 pounds heavier. He was just a really strong kid. Even though he was, there was other kids that were older than him in our peer group, but he was easily the strongest. He was the fastest. Whenever we picked teams, everyone picked Ramon first. Because you knew, you just knew if Ramon was on your team, you were winning. 
It's just how it went. He won everywhere he went because he was just that far uh, kind of ahead of us. He was, um, he was nine years old, and I kid you not, this kid could grow a mustache. And, and it was in the 80s, so we were all super jealous. We're like, dude, I wish I had that skill. And he was just, he was this strong kid. But the thing about Ramon that was so weird is that he was actually not very self-aware. And so even though he was the strongest of all of us, he actually was like kind of this insecure person. And so he was actually really timid and he was really shy. And if you talk to him, he was just kind of unsure of himself. And yet he was like easily the biggest and strongest of all of us. Now in that same peer group, there's another kid. And uh, in a lot of ways, this other kid, his name was Alex. In a lot of ways, he was like the opposite of Ramon. And so whereas Ramon was the biggest, Alex was the smallest. Alex was actually the youngest of all of us. And, and so he was just kind of the youngest. But the thing about Alex is he actually was also the loudest and so he was, he was bossy, and he would mouth off a lot. He'd call people. And he's actually, actually, quite honestly, he was kind of a little bit of a bully. He reminded me of like a chihuahua or something. It's like a yippy, <laughs> yippy little dog. And, and most of us just kind of brushed him off because that's just the way he was. What was so interesting is the person that Alex seemed to pick on the most, for whatever reason, was Ramon. And so Alex would make fun of Ramon. He would even, I mean, sometimes he would hit Ramon. He was, he was mean. He would be mean to Ramon. And I remember all of us would watch this, and we'd be like, dude, why, why is Ramon just letting that happen? And we whatever, we just kind of watched it happen. And I remember this one day. This one day, Alex was being abnormally mean to Ramon. He was just calling him names. He had hurt his feelings. I think he hit him at some point. And Ramon was really emotional. Ramon was actually crying about it. And I remember, uh, I think enough was enough. So my brother, my brother, who was the oldest and the wisest of us, he was, he was 10, so he was, he, was, he was double digits, right? We were all like, you know. So my brother went to Ramon, and he sat down, and he said, Ramon, he said, why, why are you taking that from him? And, and Ramon's like, well, you know, Alex called me names, and he hurt my feelings. And my, and my brother said, Ramon, he said, buddy, he says, do you have, do you have any idea, like, who, who you are? at all. And I just remember, I just remember this. Ramon was just listening to him. He said, Ramon, he said, have you like looked in the mirror like over the past nine years of your existence? He's like, Ramon, you are, tw you are twice the size of Alex. He's like, you are twice as strong as any of us. You're the strongest. Have you ever noticed that every team you're on, you win? Did you ever notice that? And then he said, Ramon, do you know, you are nine years old. You have to shave, Ramon. Does that not strike you as strange? And as my brother was talking to him, he said, my brother said, listen, Ramon, to kids like Alex, you're dangerous, man. And he said, you just got to understand that about yourself. And I remember watching something change in Ramon because all of a sudden it's like it clicked. And all of a sudden he realized he kind of put together all this stuff that was true about himself. And I watched, we watched Ramon become confident. Now, I won't tell you the rest of the story, but suffice it to say this, okay, that by the end of that day, Alex never picked on Ramon ever, ever again. Now, listen, why do I, why do I tell you that story? Here's why I tell you that story, all right? Because listen, church of Jesus Christ, for those who are followers of Jesus in this room and are part of this church, Man, listen, do you have any idea who you are? Do you have any idea 
Have you looked into the mirror of scripture anytime recently and have you seen yourself? Have you seen the promises that Jesus has made about his church? The gates of Hades will not stand against it. That we are God's strategy against the darkness in the world. We are the body of Christ commissioned on his mission, empowered with his spirit, called to do his will on this earth. Have you seen that about us recently? I tell you, there's nothing more dangerous in this world to the enemy than a church who is confident in what Jesus Christ has said about her. You know, I thought it was interesting, Seth, a couple weeks ago, he was up here. Pastor Seth said something. I don't know if you guys caught this. He said something, and it really impacted me. And what Seth said was this. We were singing a song, and Seth said, how does Jesus make the darkness tremble today? How does Jesus make the darkness tremble in our community, in our world? And then he said this, and he was right on. He said, the church, because that's what he said. That's the plan that he has. That is the hope of the world, is what Jesus Christ has declared about us. He's declared about us. So I'll just be honest with you guys, over the past um, five weeks of this series, somewhere in the midst of the past five weeks, do you know I actually changed the way I pray for you? I actually started to change the way I pray for you and I pray for me and I pray for us. So a lot of times when I pray for, when I pray for you and I pray for me and I pray for us, I pray this. I pray, Lord, keep us safe. I cannot tell you the amount of times I have prayed this for you and I've prayed this for your family and for your children and for my family and for our church. I pray this a lot. I still do pray this a lot. God, keep us safe. Lord, please keep us safe. We look at the world. We look at some of the craziness that's happening there. We look at what's happening in churches around the country and around the world. And sometimes I pray, Lord, just keep, would you keep us safe? Lord, keep us safe. Keep our families safe. Lord, keep our kids safe. Lord, keep, keep our church safe. Please, Lord, please keep us safe. There's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of brokenness out there. There's a lot of pain. Keep us safe, Lord. Keep us safe. And I, I'll tell you, I pray this. And I still pray this. And I will continue to pray this for us. But I actually started to change my prayers a little bit when I started reading about the church again. And I started praying, not just, Lord, keep us safe, but I also started to say, but God, make us dangerous. Lord, make us dangerous. Because there is nothing more dangerous on earth to the forces of evil in this world than the church of Jesus Christ. And when the church believes who she is and what Jesus has said, there is no end to what God can do through us. And so I've been praying, God, don't just keep our kids safe. Make our kids dangerous. Lord, make us dangerous. You guys, I'll just tell you, the stuff that we're talking about, we've been talking about over the past weeks together, the stuff we've been talking about and we're dreaming about, it's not easy, it's not comfortable, and it's not safe. It's just not. Uh, we are talking about making a significant investment in the next generation. We're we are talking about reclaiming a generation that quite honestly has the potential to be the least church generation that this country has ever seen. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be comfortable. It's not gonna be safe. We are talking about, you guys, we are talking about investing in leadership development, not creating a safe ecosystem for Christians to kind of be comfortable. We're talking about raising up, equipping, and sending and launching you, some of you into the mission field. That's not safe. 
Right? That's not gonna be comfortable. That's not easy. We're talking about doubling our investment in outreach, mobilizing our people to be involved in organizations that work with orphans and foster care, uh, kids within the foster care system, working with uh, companies like Love Inc. and organizations like Oasis of Hope who are in the midst of the darkest situations and the most broken family situations that our community has ever seen. And we're talking about mobilizing our people to get involved in those things. It's not comfortable. It's not safe. You guys, we're talking about launching another campus looking at some of you and asking you if you would prayerfully uproot your family and go into another community to embark on a new gospel endeavor and to plant another church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's not comfortable. It's not easy. But my prayer has been not just God keep us safe, but God make us, God make us dangerous. You guys, a church that slumbers, that just sleeps when the next generation slips away, is not dangerous. We pose no threat to the enemy. You guys, a church that, that is more committed to personal comfort than we are to sacrifice is absolutely no danger at all to the evils of this world. You guys, a church that's unwilling to risk anything for the sake of the gospel is absolutely no threat to the evil one. But when you get a church that believes what Jesus said about her and lives like it, man, look out because there is no end to what God can do in and through us. It's interesting, I've been reading uh, Psalm 78 quite a bit um, through this series. It's been the, this has been the passage we've been coming back to over and over again. I, I, thought, I thought that something really cool when I was reading this passage, I noticed something that I really kind of fell in love with in verse seven. And I want you to see it. So this is the passage we've been looking at. Uh, it says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We're gonna tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord his power and the wonders that he's done. He decreed statutes for Jacob. He established the law in Israel, which he commanded ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children and they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. So I love this. This is the picture. We've been talking about this the whole series. One generation is to take the works and the word of God is to pass it to the next, is to pass it to the next, is to pass it to the next. But I love in verse seven, it says the outcome. It says this, then they, the next generation, would know and they would trust, they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. And as I've been studying this passage, I actually really fell in love with this picture. And because um, so if you have different translations, it might say it this way. It might say, then they would put their hope in God or it might say, and then they would put their confidence in God. It's translated that way. And what the word literally means, and I just thought I couldn't help but chuckle, what the word literally is for trust, so get this, not making this up. The Hebrew word for trust is actually the word fatness. That's what it is. Now you heard me right. It says that the hope is that they would put their fatness in God. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, put your fatness in God. Let's go ahead and tell them that. It's, it's biblical. It's biblical. Right? It sounds weird to us, but here's what it means. The word is fatness. It's also translated uh, loin or flank. So you're like, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you're not picking it up yet, basically the idea is it's, this is talking about the seat of confidence. That's what it's talking about. So silly analogy, but I think we've all heard something like this before. I could easily say that I have confidence in this, in this stool. I'm like, I have confidence that this thing can hold me. All of us know that, but it's not until I put my fatness on it, right? <laughs> it's not until I 
I bet my bottom on what I just said that I'm actually displaying that I truly have confidence. I love that because that's what he's saying in this passage. He's saying our hope is not just that the next generation would know about the things of God, not just they would know these promises that we read about the church. Our hope is not just that the next generation, that, that, we, that they would lean on it a little bit, but just enough where it's not dangerous, just enough where if it goes away, they have other things. He says, no, no, our hope is that they would take their fatness, that they would take their bottom, and they would bet their bottom. They would go all in, all in on the things that God said is true about them. And you guys, here's what I believe that this weekend is all about. I believe this is our opportunity, not just to know about the things that God says in his word, and not, and not just to lean on them a little bit. I think this is our opportunity to say, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna bet our bottom and we're gonna go for it. And we're gonna trust God because we actually, be, we actually believe what he said. And we're gonna, we're gonna follow him into what it is that he's called us into. I love so much a quote I was reading recently from James Lund. He's a Christian author. I love the way he said it. Here's what he said. He said, confidence in God is much more than sitting through a church service each Sunday. We are more than pew potatoes. I like that. Our faith must be active. We're not watching a TV show or attending a concert. We are participating in a great hunt is what we're doing. We are called to pursue a dangerous faith, living every thought, every activity, every moment at risk for the Lord. Only here on the precipice between the comfortable and the unknown will faith truly thrive. Only here, I love what he says here, only here will you discover the ironic truth that the more you risk and trust God, the closer you move to his heart and the safer you become. And that's true. And this, is, and this, when I think about the significance of Commitment Weekend, I think that this is an opportunity for us to do just that. It is an opportunity for us to say, we are not just going to, 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 to sit, but we're going to move. We're going to go and we're gonna believe God and we're gonna put our confidence in it. We're gonna put our time, we're gonna put our treasure, we're gonna put our energies and our gifts into that because we believe that what God says is true. Because I'll be honest, we cannot expect the next generation to go any higher than we're willing to go ourselves in our faith. And so I believe that the best thing that we can give the next generation is an example of what it looks like for a group of people to put their confidence in God. And so that's what I believe is the significance of what we're doing here this weekend. So in a moment, we're going to have a chance to actually make those commitments. And I'll walk you through some details. But before we do, once you see this video, and, and you know, all through the series, we've been watching these videos. And this last video, I think, is really special because I think it gives us a vision. It gives us a small glimpse of what it could look like to be a dangerous church. So watch this. We ought to remember what God has done in the past so that we can pass it on to our children in the future. And it is the future that will serve this Lord and continue to bring his, his word into focus to this needy world that we live in. Our daughter got baptized, you know, here, and, and our son is like asking questions about Jesus. It's so awesome to see our faith um, being instilled into the next generation and how invested grace is in the next generation, not just for now, not just for us, but for the next generation to keep growing so that we can have more than what we have even today. It's different when you, when you place your faith and your hope in Jesus 
you you get the only real results. It's it's big. It's literally everything. And I've really been like led and poured into by these people who are older than me. I know there's a whole group of women at the church who are all discipling each other, being discipled, and I've gotten to interact with them and I got to witness them and what they're doing. And it's really just great to see that that could be me someday. I'm being discipled right now. They're all discipling each other and it's just a constant stream of going and flowing through one another in fellowship for the Lord. Kids means to me interacting with kids and having fun learning about God and Jesus and while learning about them, not just being a actually being wide awake and learning about what God and Jesus did and why we're learning about them while having fun and it even though learning about them is fun, it makes it even more fun, which makes you want to come to this church every single Sunday. Personally, Jesus means to me everything basically, but like he can help me from finding a small Lego that I can't find to huge decisions. I like serving. It's just fun to see the kids, again, see the kids grow. I like interacting with everybody else. You can make friends that you didn't know in church. It's important to have a group of friends around you because there are a lot of things in life that can be hard. They can help you make decisions. They can stand up for you, they, you can stand up for them, work on school projects together in groups, you can be partners in school, and then you can do stuff with them in church that involves a buddy, and then soon you'll probably be sleeping over with them. You can say prayers at dinner time and at night when, you're, when they're at the sleepover and it just evolves into something huge. And it's just really important because you need, you need someone also in your life that you can love and that some, someone else needs to love you. And so besides your family, you need to have somebody else too. So a friend is a really good example. We have a lot of lessons and they're all really helpful and they all add on to one big thing, that God can help us with anything. God rules and reigns and he's amazing. My name is John. My name is Eileen. My name is Josh. My name is Haley. And here we go. And here we go. And here we go. And here we go. My name is Carter, and here we go. Awesome. Well, here we go. And we have an opportunity now for those of us who are part of the Grace Church Manine East Campus to make our commitments and to put our confidence in God as well as we begin this next leg of the journey. So let me tell you what we're going to do. Uh, at this time, I'm actually going to have some ushers come, and they're going to be passing to everybody a blue piece of paper. Okay, so if you are part of the Medina East Campus family, I actually want you to grab one of those blue pieces of paper, and um, and we're going to ask you to do a couple of things in the in the next few moments. Okay. And so here's the first thing I want you to do is the band's going to play in a moment. And while they're playing, we want you to take some time to write down on those blue pieces of paper on one side, uh, write down the names of your three. Okay, so we talk about the, the three people that we desperately want to see come to know Jesus. You can just write down their first name. That'd be fine. And just write that down if you want to. You can also write um, additional prayers on there. The band's going to play and give you a chance and give you some space uh, to do that. Okay, so we're going to have you do that, and then um, 
when you're ready, when you're ready, uh, after a while, the band's going to play when you're prepared to, we actually want to ask you to make your way up front and bring with you two things, all right? Now, there's actually a specific way that we want to kind of direct you, so I feel kind of corny, but I actually made a map. might be helpful for you, okay? So this is, this is kind of the, the flow. Um, but no matter where you're sitting, wherever you're ready, if you're a part of the Medina East Campus family, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your chair, walk towards the back. So even if you're in the front, if you want to walk towards the back, go to the sides here. And on either side, kind of on the wings, you're going to see that there's some tables and there's some people with some Here We Go shirts. And what we're going to ask you to do is uh, to go to those tables when you're ready. And with that blue piece of paper, if you would crumple that up, and you're going to get a, um, one of these, these plastic capsules, all right? And I want you to put your, your prayers in the names of your three in these capsules. And then on your way to the platform, we're going to ask that you have that blue piece of paper and that you also bring your commitment envelope with you. So for those of us who are part of the Medina East Campus family, hopefully you already have that filled out and ready. And I want you to ask you to come up and grab one of those capsules, drop your commitment envelope in the silver buckets that are on the sides, and then if you would take these capsules and you would place them in the middle here in these crates. Uh, here's why we're kind of asking you to do that. Here's what we're hoping to do with these. Our hope is uh, that we will actually create uh, a very creative art piece that's actually going to live in our building from this point forward. And that creative art piece, our, our hope is that it would look something like a wave. And so this is just the conceptual drawing right now. But the hope is that with these, we'll create something that looks like a wave. So we think about the wave of the next generation that we've talk, been talking about in this series. This is going to be a, a this, this is going to be an art piece that's going to live in hopefully our children's and students' check-in area. It's going to be a reminder to us of the three names of the people that we're praying for. It's also going to be a reminder of God's faithfulness to us during the season, and it's going to be just a wave full of names of, of people that we desperately want to see come to know Christ. Okay, so I want to ask you to do that. So like I said, the band's going to play for a while. They'll give you a chance to fill those out. When you're ready, come on up, bring your commitment card, bring your paper, get your capsule, and then drop those things off, right? Let me pray for us, and then we'll give you some space um, to kind of do that together. All right, let's pray. Well, Jesus, we just want to say thank you so much for, for your church and Jesus, we want to come before you and we want to be a group of people who declare that we recognize that you are the head of the church. We recognize that the church is your idea, it's commissioned by you, that you're the chief shepherd, that you're our senior pastor, that you are the one that we want to follow ultimately. And God, we, we want to be the church that you've called us to be. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that you would give us confidence, give us confidence as your people in what you said to be true. And so, Father, I do pray, I do pray that you would keep us safe. I thank you that you've given us eternal life and that there's nothing that can steal that from us. But, Father, I pray you'd make us dangerous. I pray that to the forces of evil on this earth, Father, that we would become a church that is responsive to your mission, empowered by your spirit, and sent, God, into the world on the mission that you've called us to be on. So, Father, we pray for that. I ask that right now as we write down the names of those that we want to see come know you and as we make these commitments, that we be making these commitments first and foremost to you, Jesus, because we love you. So God, use us and empower us in these next moments. We ask it in Jesus' name.